Hello again, it's Josh here from my house again, where this is the first socially distant podcast that I've done. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? Um, And I'm afraid I have fallen for the trap of doing one of these. But fear not, as my guest this week is Abby McCarthy. And whilst we do reflect a little bit on Corona, to be fair, and how it's affected the live music industry and everything, the rest is all the usual fun. Abby is a brilliant radio and TV presenter and, in my opinion, gets the coolest combo of a job ever. She gets to interview musicians and footballers. Literally the dream. She also puts on monthly gig nights in London called Good Karma Club where she's had the likes of Easy Life and Pale Waves take the stage. Oh, and there is a point when she mentions that Dan from Bastille was at the first ever one, so not too bad. So today is a bit weird. This is the first one of these sort of remote podcasts I've done. Um, And I've wanted to get this guest on for a while. I'm sat in my kitchen currently. I thought we'd be face to face because we we do see each other sometimes, Abby McCarthy, I promise. (laughs) Occasionally, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Abby, thank you so much for joining me. I'm in my kitchen. Can you tell me where you are? So I am at BBC Radio Kent. So my introducing show is going out later tonight. So I'm just in the building prepping. And I keep coming in super early because doing the show every single week is like my only bit of normality at the moment, like the only routine. So I'm like buzzing to come to work every single week (laughs) obviously I am anyway because I mean presenting a radio show is kind of the best job in the world but I just feel like I'm extra excited I'm like a little kid at the moment just because it's so nice to come in see a few people that I work with and yeah just have that tiny tiny bit of normality I think the last time I saw you Abby weirdly it was like a few weeks before this all kicked off and lockdown and everything was at the Brit Awards if you cast your mind back oh yes and you were being (laughs) a little bit sneaky that night if I remember Ah, yes, I was being a little bit sneaky. So that was the um, night before the latest Radio 1 project with Greg, where we we kidnapped him, essentially. There's nothing more to it. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds funny when you say it out loud. I mean, it was weird at the time, but even hearing it now, it's like, what? Because I think you were quite confused as to why I can stay out and go to some of the parties. Well, especially because that is what the Brit Awards are all about. You go out until a silly time in the morning, try and see lots of famous people and get drunk. And I kept being like, no, Josh, you should come to the party. And you were like, no, 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 I really do need the sleep. I've got to be up early. (laughs) I was thinking, hang on a minute, something's weird here. He's being way too well behaved. And then it all made sense (laughs) when I saw all the Greg business happen like the next day. I was like, oh, okay. He was busy plotting with the rest of the team. I think the last thing you said to me as well is, oh, I've got to go now. I'm just going on a Lewis Capaldi boat party. <laughs> yeah, that did was... you end up on that boat? Yes, I did. So we, yeah, we got on at, at North Greenwich, obviously where the O2 is, and then we went across the water to the other side of London. Uh, so it was basically just a booze cruise for a couple of hours. It was so much fun. So it was nice to catch up with Lewis. Um, obviously, he'd won two Brit Awards, so he was living his best life. Um, Niall Horan was on the boat, uh, having a great time as well. Their bromance is just something to behold. <laughs> uh, and just, yeah, catching up with loads of friends and just celebrating. It was, yeah, it was a fun night, but a little bit messy, I'll be honest, because <laughs> the boat docked and then we went on to the Universal Music Party, which was at the Ned. Uh, and yeah, I probably should have stopped drinking a couple of hours before that. But, you know, we're just like, no, it's the Brits. I'm going to stay out till seven. <laughs> Well, at least some of us could. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I had to live, you know, for you. Drink yeah, those exactly. drinks for you. You took it for both of us. <laughs> um, to most people, sort of parting with these people after the Brits and stuff would be like, 
you get to do that. So for people that don't know, Abby, you are a phenomenal uh, TV and radio presenter. As you said, you're down in Kent at the moment. So um, just for your BBC Introducing show in Kent, you obviously um, present on Radio One uh, and you also are on our telly box sometimes on Full Music and Match of the Day X, which I'm like obsessed with. The more football shows they can get, the better. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I'm glad you say that also I'm missing football at the moment so much that's the only thing I think I'm missing as much as gigs yeah you're a big Chelsea fan right a massive Chelsea fan hang on who do you support I don't know if I know this oh, I'm Man United so it's Josh, kind of end the interview it's, a bit of an it's over <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of an awkward time for both our teams to well for every team to be put on hold yeah, of course. but you know we were kind of battling it out, kind of for fourth place. I mean, I think I'll, I'll hold my hands up. Chelsea probably have it in the bag. I mean, <laughs> but Man United were actually on a bit of a run. They'd got a bit better, and you yeah, you were bit. probably excited as a fan. And then it's just like, oh, that's it, season's done. I wonder what's going to happen. It's probably going to have to be voided, isn't it? I'm just gutted about the Euros as well. You know, you look at. I think if you're a football or a music fan, as you've alluded to there. Obviously, there's way worse things going on with this virus. But mm. in terms of your entertainment, yep. that has been put on halt for quite some time now. Yeah, it is, it's a big part of my life, I feel like, is missing. Because, I mean, I've been watching old games and goal montages, <laughs> just on repeat. <laughs> but it's just not the same, is it? Just like, I'm loving all these like live streams and live DJ sets and things that people are doing, but it's just not the same, is it? As being at a gig, getting sweaty, hugging your mates, singing along, you know, all of that stuff. So I can't believe, I just can't wait for this all to be over because it is going to be absolute scenes on the other side of this. (laughs) I mentioned football there. Obviously, um, people might be more familiar with you interviewing and chatting to musicians. Talk to me about some of the footballers you met. Are there any legends out there who you're like? you're not just a legend on the pitch you're a legend off the pitch yeah I think it's interesting with footballers because you feel like you love their playing ability but a lot of people never really get to know like the person behind them so that's like a really fun part of the job like interviewing footballers one of my favorite things that I've got to do through the kind of sports presenting stuff that I've been doing it was last year when I got to go to the Women's World Cup in France obviously it was all over France got to go to lots of the games and I was kind of tracking all the Chelsea women's players who were playing for all their different international teams at the competition and got to like really spend time with them properly hang out you know met their families uh, you know had lunches with them and things like that so that was really good fun like I really got to know Beth England who is just an amazing striker and it was funny because when I was hanging out with her she hadn't quite made the Lionesses squad but she mm-hmm. was there with us just like cheering on her teammates and uh, <laughs> since then she's you know been playing for the Lionesses and has had an amazing run so that was really nice. With a surname of Beth England <laughs> you'd like to think she made it eventually. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly because every time she scores a lot of people do like the England chant so it's like come on it makes sense. <laughs> and that um, that World Cup that Women's World Cup is kind of one of the sporting events in the past few years that's really gathered momentum with its with its sports. Last summer we had that, like the cricket that was here in England and stuff. So it must have felt really special to be part of that because the Lionesses had a really good run as well and probably, to be fair, didn't do as well as, as they wanted to. But um, I feel like the country really got behind them. 
Yeah, that was the amazing thing to see. I think because I've been a supporter of football forever, but you know, I've also been really passionate about women's football as well. It was amazing to actually see that kind of shift in in awareness and people, like you say, really getting behind our our female team. And uh, yeah, that was really exciting just to go into you know like news agents and see these players like on the front of newspapers and things like that because they haven't always had that exposure. Um, so it was like a really exciting thing to be a part of. And also being at the games, I obviously haven't got to go to many world. Cup games in the past so to be there it's just the most I mean any football game has the most amazing atmosphere but I just think there's something super special about being part of the World Cup um, you know really representing your country and getting behind them so yeah it was like one of my favourite things I've ever done Another big thing you do and obviously has been put on hold at the moment is your monthly gig nights Good Karma Club um, which you've been hosting at Seabright Arms in London. I feel like I came down to one at the um, the garage in Hybrid at one point as well. Yes, you did. That would have been when we took it on tour. I think that was the first Good Karma Club tour, which was in 2018. Yeah, the London <clears> show for that finished at the garage, um, which was amazing. Because obviously that's a much bigger venue than the normal for Good Karma Club. So that felt pretty special. That's one of my favourite things is that we do take it out kind of on the road um every year and have loads of fun just it's cool to see all the different venues that are around the UK but also just to meet those people and kind of spread all the good music but we've had to move our tour this year because it was meant to be basically now but we've moved it to um October so if everybody crosses their fingers maybe that will still happen and obviously from the outside in people have been seeing loads of things being postponed be honest how easy is it to like move something like that to later in the year because for someone who's got tickets or whatever it's just a case of sort of um, making sure they get the tickets again but when you're putting on the acts and the venues and everything how how have you found that how's that been yeah it's a little bit tricky I think it's because everybody in the live industry is in the same position so we're all trying to no one wants to cancel a show that's almost feels like you know the worst thing that you can do so everyone's just trying to shift everything back to later on in the year by the way, the end of the year is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but I think it's like, you know, I'm obviously trying to move my dates, but then you've got other bands doing it. You've got other people that are doing it as part of a tour. You've got other other promoters. So it all becomes this huge jigsaw. So yeah, I kind of don't envy people that run like venues, diaries at the moment because they are probably like pulling their hair out. But we've managed to postpone basically all of the shows that I had kind of already curated and stuff. So I'm hoping, yeah, they'll happen at the end of the year and... It will just be amazing. I feel like if you live in or anywhere near a city, you're going to have to start like pulling names of gigs out a hat because it's going to be so many, as you say, <laughs> hopefully by the end of the year that you're going to want to go to. It's just like, ah. Yeah, it's going to be like a gig every night or like trying to fit in like three or four gigs in one night. I've definitely tried to do that before. It doesn't really work very well, but we'll see. I was going to say, I reckon if, if anyone can do it, I reckon you can. <laughs> seem like that kind of person. All right, challenge accepted. <laughs> um, a challenge you have taken on yourself to sort of keep going and, and keep involved with the um, music industry and the live scene is you've set up LOL FM. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about that. Well, what I realised is during this time, it's it's very easy to feel very overwhelmed and stressed and 
quite sad because obviously everyone's missing everybody and you know everybody just wants to hug people so what I was doing at the start was watching lots of comedy because I just think like laughing is like the best release and obviously cheers (laughs) everybody up so then I was like hang on a minute maybe there's something that I could do with that so I was like I'll get my friends from music and radio on a live stream all have a bit of a chat about you know what we've been doing in this weird time and just catch up and then, yeah, I'm going to get them to tell some jokes. And it's been really good fun. Um, some of them have been obviously awful dad jokes, but there's been some good <laughs> ones in there. There's been some good music jokes, some puns. And I think we've achieved my little mission of, yeah, just putting a smile on everybody's face and just like just like temporarily forgetting about how weird the world is right now and just, yeah, just having a bit of fun. And um, yeah, I'm really glad I did it because it's been really fun and it's got such an amazing reaction. Well, hats off to you because a lot of those people, as you say, are musicians and people don't always think of musicians as the funniest. Did you have to like vet some people first? Did you have like a a short list of, uh, I think they'll nail it? (laughs) Yeah, somebody else asked me that the other day. They were like, everyone's been really funny. Did you audition them? I was like, I'm not like Simon Cowell or something. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, (laughs) I think it's because a few of these musicians I've got to know over the years. So I kind of knew which ones would be into the idea. And luckily, all of them had some, some absolute jokes in the locker. None of them disappointed, but um, but I know what you mean. There's probably like some musicians that I love, but they're they're definitely not known for their for their comedy, and they'd maybe feel a bit awkward doing it. So I just went for people that I've yeah I've like properly hung out with and had a bit of a laugh with. I know that they've got a a, a really awesome sense of humour, and yeah, I think it paid off. Well, Abby, uh, the reason you're here is to usually you'd be sat to my left or right and you'd have a bag with you. But we don't have that. So uh, let's go through your items through means of photos which you've sent me of the actual themselves. So I'm going to start with what looks like it might be one of your oldest items, uh, judging by I think I can I was going to try and make out the date on this. It looks like a disposable photo of you in a campsite, which I'm assuming must be... Uh, it's a Burger and Chips fan in the background. I'm assuming it must be a festival. Yeah, it was It was at Reading in 2008, which was my first festival with all of my mates. So looking at that photo, it makes me smile so much because it was just such a great weekend because obviously we were like really excited to be going. I remember my dad dropping me off with all our bottles of... Of, of vodka and uh, you know all our strong warm strongbows in the back and I think it feels like a bit of a rite of passage like to get your GCSEs and go to Reading or Leeds depending where you are in the country and just have the best time with your mates and I think mm. that was when I was like really really getting into music as well and like loved guitar music so it felt like the best possible place to be and also looking at the photo we all have the most (laughs) hilarious haircuts like do you remember when that like shaved one side thing was in that people used to do oh yes like one of my friends has got that and then the rest of us have just got like big emo fringes (laughs) that are most of my face I love it (laughs) who was playing at that reading can you cast your mind back who were the headliners the headliners were the killers uh rage against the machine and Metallica, I think, were on the Sunday. So to be honest, it's quite a similar lineup to what they have now. <laughs> they haven't moved yeah, on they, too much. They do like to um, sort of bring back their headliners every few years, don't they? Yeah, they do. They're definitely on a bit of rotation. But to be fair, that is a pretty good, pretty good set of headliners. I remember seeing the Killers, and I think that was the first time that I'd seen the Killers live. So that was just incredible. And um, obviously, seeing Killing the Name. 
wow so good so yeah it was a pretty amazing festival how many years did you do that was it just that year or have you have you been back since because it's as you say it's like that rite of passage festival which i loved that year i loved the next year and then i went a third year and thought I think it's someone else's turn now. I think it's the 16-year-olds' time. Yeah, I know. I think I went that year and then I literally didn't go back until I started working in radio and like music. Um, I went back to DJ for the first time, I think, a few years ago. I DJed in like the guest area. And then um, I've also hosted like the BBC Introducing Stage. And then last year I DJed the Festival Republic Stage. So that was really fun. And a bit of a moment for me to be honest because I was like that was like the festival that I was like obsessed with when I was younger and then getting to like go back and and work there and you know fully enjoy that that kind of experience was was pretty cool I've also just remembered something about about 2008 and for anybody there this might make them laugh there was this band on the introducing stage called FFers and everybody thought they were the Foo Fighters but it was and like there was literally like these these like big um People were going around with these big megaphones around the camp shouting, the FFers are the Foo Fighters, get to the introducing stage at, you know, whatever time it was. And like, everyone was just so excited because they weren't on the bill that year, the Foo Fighters. And everyone was like, "They mu- it must be them. It's got to be. FFers, surely. And we obviously got there and it was like this tiny stage and the introducing stage was even kind of smaller than it is now. And it was just so funny because the crowd obviously stretched so far back it was like the main <laughs> stage and uh and then this band walked out like hello we're the ffers and then uh, everyone was just like oh and then loads of people just left um oh no it, that must be so rubbish i know <laughs> i was just like imagine that that's your moment isn't it to play at a festival you know you're a band you've traveled the country you've loaded everything into your van you're well excited you get out there oh wow a load of people are here to see us this is mad we're the ffers <laughs> oh what <laughs> <laughs> i remember something similar i went to festival um many years ago and my friend told me that jamie t was playing on the main stage surprise act last Uh. minute so i like gathered as many cans as i could said to my pals we're going and we ran over and as we ran over to it on the big screen it just said dj yoda is playing now and we all went (laughs) who I love those rumours of who's playing festivals. Yeah, because they happen every single year. And most of the time they're wrong, but sometimes they're right. So you always go just in case anyway, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, Well, that is a great picture to start us (laughs) off with and some memories there. Um, Let's go on to the next picture. So this is a picture of a Beyonce ticket from 2016 from Wembley, of course. It would be nowhere else in the UK she'd play, let's be honest. I mean, exactly. She's the queen. Um, Tell me about that. So about four years back now. Yeah, four years back. So um, I went with my gay best friend, George, who is the only person I know apart from me that is a bigger Beyonce fan. And we were just so excited to go. And I mean, obviously, it's Beyonce. So the bar is so high. Like what you're expecting, you're genuinely expecting your mind to be blown. And it was just amazing it's like one of the best live shows I've ever seen I mean because it's Beyonce she puts on you know a full proper performance visuals loads of dancers at least a few costume changes really clever cool interludes and vocals obviously for days (laughs) and it just was one of the best gigs I've ever seen it's something I still talk about all the time because I just absolutely loved it I feel like watching Beyonce is like a religious experience (laughs) everyone is just like in awe like just bowing down to everything she does she is like 
one of those artists that's just like a top tier superstar and almost doesn't seem real because she's that brilliant and talented. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could talk about her for for ages, as you can probably tell, Josh. But yeah, she (laughs) is the best. Favourite Beyonce song? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Favourite Beyonce song? Halo for me has a lot of memories, but I really love Lemonade. Um, So I'm going to say Sorry from Lemonade. Nice. What would you go for out of interest? See, I am... This is... um, letting you into and the listeners into a bit of a secret here um, oh, so when gosh. i was about eight i used to have a dance routine for crazy and love um, <laughs> and uh, it's recorded on a on a camcorder somewhere maybe even on a video or something amazing somewhere in my house which my parents always mention and always bring up to people whenever it's played love it. like it was one of the first things they told my girlfriend um, <laughs> can you please dig that out and put it up on social media immediately i am so ready to see that yeah i feel like with so much time during isolation i wouldn't even be surprised if my mum has dug that out for her own <laughs> entertainment. so great crazy in love is like a classic for me yeah it's a big tune um, and I remember getting that CD. I had like someone burnt that CD for me. Um, that, oh. um, that that album. That, I think it was like two thousand two, two thousand and three sort of time. So I'd go for that, a classic. But I haven't seen her yet. I do want to see her because got to. she'd be phenomenal. And I think that was maybe the last time she performed in the UK that you saw her. If I'm right. Yeah, because she came back with. Um what was it, the Carters like Run the World Tour, which I think was like last year. Oh, yes, that's true. But what I did the other day was I watched her Coachella performance. Mm. I literally do that that whenever I'm feeling a bit bit like meh, just because. Is that that the one on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting to see like all the work and everything that's been put into it. But like the actual show, I mean, the set list is like perfect for like any Beyonce fan, I think. And she must have like the most incredible set of dancers, but can you still imagine being like a, a backing dancer and being called up to work with her? That would be amazing. Yeah, that's be like mad. ultimate goals, isn't it? Well, Josh, if you keep practicing, look back at your old videos, <laughs> it could be you, right? There next we world go. tour. That's that's the challenge <laughs> for the next however long we're in isolation. <laughs> Love it. Let's go on to your third item then. Now I can see it's a item of clothing. <laughs> and it has five girls on the front who happen to go by the name of the Spice Girls. Yay! Yay! Love Another them. one of my favourites as well growing up. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, well, my auntie convinced me she was uh, Scary Spice for ages Brilliant. somehow. Um, and I was obsessed with them. I remember listening to them on cassette. So when did you, wh- when did you get into the Spice Girls? So I got into them when I was in school. I think it would have been primary school. And I used to go to school in the platform trainers. And yet I had the cassette. And I remember like just like wearing it out. Like it just stopped playing because I played it so much. And I just I just had all the Spice Girls merch there. I remember I had like a badge on my school bag as well. I had a T-shirt then. But the thing is, the original T-shirt I had was so great. But obviously it's, it's now teeny tiny and it's got holes in it. Which is why I bought the T-shirt that you're seeing the photo of because I was like oh I want I kind of want one again like I always want to be repping the Spice Girls Uh, and I bought that a few years ago I saw it just online and I was like yeah I'm definitely definitely having that but the thing is when I was obsessed with them when I was younger and everyone was 
I never actually got to see them live. I just never got tickets. I was never one of those lucky people. But then <clears> I got to see their reunion show last summer. So I was ecstatic and <laughs> it was just so much fun it's just like you go there and it's just so much nostalgia I literally felt like I was like seven again it was great who is your favorite Spice Girl everyone pretended to be one didn't they yes everyone pretended to be one I remember I always dressed up as Sporty Spice because I was like a proper tomboy at school because obviously I love football so I was like playing <laughs> football with all the lads and the girls were like what is she doing uh, so I always like related to her the most because I was like she's like the one that most kind of like looks like me um but I do have a massive soft spot for for Jerry obviously Ginger Spice because she was the one who was like really girl power like proper sassy and that's just like a really I think that's such a cool thing for like little girls and boys to see like growing up like just like really strong independent women so for that reason I don't know I'm torn Josh what do I do <laughs> can I say both Go- you can say both. Look, the the Spice Girls um, had two eras, so you could have two eras, the, the now coming back now and the when you were younger. Oh, okay so then. So I'll fine. say for the older era, I'm going to say Jerry Halliwell, Ginger Spice, because she was repping girl power. In the new era, I'm actually going to say Mel C, Sporty Spice, because I saw her DJ fairly recently. Um, I think it was at Margate Pride last summer. Um, with Sink the Pink, and it was just <laughs> so much fun. Like, she's taken off as a DJ now in quite a big way. And I feel with you, Abby, as well, is I, I always think of you, um, and myself, really, as traditionally, like, guitar music and stuff. Yeah. But um, you've obviously got a massive love for pop artists as well. I mean, you look at some of the people you supported recently, like Elves of Iron and stuff, and it's like, it's clear that you've always had those roots in you. Yeah, I think it's funny. Like, I remember I saw Little Mix at the end of last year and I put like a couple of videos on my Instagram story. Loads of people replied like, you like Little Mix? I was like, <laughs> you don't. Are you mad? They're amazing. I think that's the thing. Like pop music is called pop music because it's popular and it's just brilliant. And I, I'm someone that isn't like a genre snob at all. I just like I'm drawn to whatever I like. But I think it's funny because I'm like from BBC Introducing, supporting new music. People always think I'm like really like on cool underground stuff and actually i'll listen to whatever if it's good and i like it <laughs> i'll just embrace it and same with you really come on you love a bit of robbie williams oh yes i think he's been brought up a ridiculous amount of I times bet. in these podcasts so far um but we'll leave that to one side this one's about you <laughs> <laughs> and with that let's go on to your fourth one and um it's probably Yes, it is. I really wanted to dig out like an old poster, but they're all like a bit battered and creased because they've kind of <laughs> been like half folded or half like shoved into my little memory box at home. But when the night started, first of all, I'd put stickers all around London to get the name out there because I was really nervous about like the first show. And I just had this like reoccurring dream that no one was going to turn up and it was just going to be me. <laughs> Um, which I think is normal. Everyone that's like putting on something for the first time just feels that immense pressure. But luckily, obviously the night is is going really well um, and we're still going strong. What, four and a bit years later? So it's, yeah, it's funny to look back at that sticker. It takes me back to that, like those feelings of like dread um, and and worry. Um, But now, yeah, I've got loads of amazing lineups that I can, yeah, I can be really pleased about because, yeah, we've put on shows for some, for some amazing people now like when I look back I'm like that's god that was such a good night I can't believe we got them and you know where they are now and stuff like that 
Yeah, people like, haven't you had like Easy Life and stuff who obviously this year like going like going up on an upwards trajectory completely? Yeah, we had Easy Life like the summer before they went on like Jules Holland and stuff. And that was, so that was really funny seeing them play my gig night to like, you know, 150 people <laughs> and then going on one of the biggest kind of music shows on TV. That one was probably the most... I think one of the most packed and sweaty shows we've ever had. That was really funny. But you mentioned Elle Divine earlier. She's played as well. And it was genuinely, remember last summer, the hottest day of the year. It was like, mm. I was sweating out of places. I didn't even realise you could sweat. Like my wrist <laughs> was sweating. I was like, what is going on? So that was a fun one. Pale Waves did their first London headline show for us, which was incredible. Because obviously they've just gone on now to playing arenas all around the world. So that was pretty special we had on Alfie Templeman recently we've had Amazons Mm -hmm. yeah loads I feel really yeah really lucky to be honest tell me about the first ever Good Karma Club because that must have been quite a daunting um, experience (laughs) (laughs) yeah it really was I was terrified that it was just going to be me and any mates that I'd dragged there but the lineup it's quite funny looking back now actually it was um, a band called the Bay Rays who I loved and played loads on my on my Kent show then um, a band called The Sherlocks were main support, who obviously have gone on to kind of big things. Oh, uh, wow. And then uh, Childcare headlined. And <laughs> it was just, the night went really well. I was just so pleased because you have all these nerves beforehand. And then, yeah, it's just the best feeling when you when you look around and the room is packed and everyone's just like really enjoying the music. That's exactly what I do it for. And I remember at the first night I looked around and I was like, I think that's Dan from Bastille. <laughs> why is he here and then we just had a really nice chat at the end of the night and he was just like yeah um i'd been i'd been reading about the night uh, and i thought i'd come down and i was like this is cool what was really nice is there are people still going to good karma club that have been to the very first one they've become like regulars they come like every single month now even wow. if they don't really know who's on the lineup because obviously a lot of the artists i put on at that particular point are super new so they might not know their music or much about them but they've yeah, they've begun to like trust me and trust my taste and they'll try and come to the night as much as possible. So that's the really rewarding part. But yeah, the first night I was terrified. What's your one piece of advice if someone was thinking, I fancy starting up a club night or um, a little festival circuit or whatever, what would you say? What was the one thing you um, would learn from your past self? I would say if you can find someone to collaborate with, that would be really crucial. So for me, because I had no idea how to run a live night apart from I like music and I go to gigs, (laughs) I got in contact with someone at Killing Moon, which is like a small independent label uh, management company, but they also do quite a lot of live gigs. And they basically helped me get the night started. They would do all the kind of logistics and contracting and all of that kind of stuff. And then I could just fully take control of, you know, curating um, and, you know, marketing the night. So that was really good because it wasn't too much kind of in the deep end. I got to like learn a lot from them. So I think if there's anybody like that, that you can collaborate with, that would be really great. But also, like I was saying, I think instead of like, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes right? Like just try a night and just see <laughs> how it goes because I'm sure it will it will go well. You know, as long as the lineup is really strong, the night has a little bit of a niche, a little, you know, a really strong identity, then I'm sure, you know, people will connect with it. Now, I know yours is all about exposing new talent and emerging talent, but I want to pose you a question. So if you if you could make your dream lineup 
unlimited cash. Okay, yeah? okay. So I'm giving you I'm giving you all the cash. Three artists, um, two support and one headliner. Who would you who would you pick? Oh wow. Be your three. Okay. Um straight in, Oasis are gonna headline. They are gonna get back <laughs> they're together. They're coming back. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get back together just for a good karma club night. They're a big fan of mine, I've heard, so they'll definitely do that. <laughs> They'll play. It'll be amazing. Then I'm going to have uh, Arctic Monkey support because they are my favourite band in the world. And nice. I am going to have... Jay-Z is going to gonna open. <laughs> he's not even going to headline. He's going to open. Opening. He's going to open, yeah. He's going to come down, just do a few few songs, uh, get the crowd moving, uh, you know, for Arctic Monkeys and Oasis. I've gone so ridiculous amazing. with this sign-up, sorry. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, it's gonna it's gonna come to us. It could be next year. It could be in a few yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Watch this. I can foresee it. Okay. <laughs> um, let's go on to your final item, and it's funny you mention Arctic Monkeys because this is an Arctic Monkeys tattoo. Talk hey, me through it. It is. So I've got the um, the artwork of the AM logo uh, on on my arm. So the Soundwave. Just because, yeah, they're my favourite band in all the world and what an album that is. It's a record that I still listen to loads because I just I just adore it. It's like one of my favourite things that's existed. And <laughs> I just feel like I've got such a connection to the Arctic Monkeys because I remember really getting into them in the days of like, you know, like the internet forums and MySpace mm. and uh, yeah, it just felt like the whole country were like super excited about this new band and it kind of links in to one of my most vivid radio memories, which is Zane Lowe playing the demo of I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor on Radio 1. And that was kind of like the peak of me really getting into music and discovering stuff like on my own and through listening to like specialist radio. So I feel like, yeah, I just love that band and kind of everything that they've, they've done for my musical discovery from, from that point onwards. You've gone on quite the journey with them then, because that was right, as you say, the demo is right at the start. And I think the thing I found with AM was, to me, when that came out, it literally like doubled the fan base. Yeah. Like, that was the album which just made them astronomical. Yeah, because the debut obviously is amazing, because that's how we got to know the Arctic Monkeys. But it's like, AM is like a proper rock and roll anthem album. And it's one of those like records that I can listen to and I don't want to skip any songs. Like, I just, I really like it. And I think that's quite rare, isn't it? You know, with like, especially with guitar bands, there are obviously loads that have really good albums, but I think there are some that are like really riffy and are like the big singles and then maybe people don't delve into the rest of, of the album. But I think AM convinced a lot of people to to get on board with the band if they weren't already. What did you think of the last album? Because that was obviously a massive left-hand turn and felt very much to me personally like a, a Turner solo project and would would have probably sat better with me had it been a solo project than the full band because like I love Matt Helders on the drums and yeah and all the others doing their stuff like I kind of felt like Alex pushed his agenda to the front yes no I agree I think especially because they were following AM which is their probably most successful critically acclaimed album it was always going to be difficult and obviously they're a band that are just so respected it's like everything they drop you know people are expecting to be of you know a certain quality and a certain vibe I guess and I think it surprised everybody I remember when I first listened to it so I listened to it all the way through when it dropped at midnight like a good fan <laughs> and I was like I don't I don't know I don't know if I get it I'm confused by this it wasn't what I was expecting and then 
as you listen more and more, you go, no, okay, this is this is cool. And I think it's brave for a band like that to drop something quite wildly different. So I don't know. And I think it's good to change the sound with every single album, isn't it? That's what keeps mm. music exciting. You're not the first one to bring a tattoo to what's in the bag here that we've had. Ali McRae bought five. Did Those he? were his five items. Love that. <laughs> um, and Shannon Carragher bought some as well. The question I ask at the end of this is... Which of those items would you like to induct into the What's in the Bag Hall of Fame? I am going to enter in for the comedy value, the photo of myself and my friends with our big emo fringes (laughs) at Reading Festival in 2008. (laughs) Nice. That definitely takes us back to an era. That's what we like. It'll look lovely (laughs) in a frame. Well, thank you so much for all these items, Abby. That photo is in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Along with everyone else's favourite items. Uh, That's number six in there. So what I like to do here as a little twist at uh, what's in the bag is kind of where I kind of take back control and um, and give you a topic. So I've given you three of your favourite support bands you've ever seen live. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to think back to like artists that I'd seen support people when they were like really small. Um, mm-hmm. And the first one that jumped into my head is when I saw Lewis Capaldi in 2017. So he literally performed in a Weatherspoons near <laughs> the uh, Excel Centre. It was after this event called Amplify, which um, was the old name for an annual event that BBC Introducing do every single year. It's now called BBC Introducing Live. And it's kind of like a weekend of masterclasses and workshops and special performances. And... Yeah, Amplify was the first year of it in 2017 and uh, Lewis was performing on the Friday night and yeah, he wasn't even headlining. I think he was like second on. I remember I'd been saying to the introducing team for ages that there was this guy that was blowing up in Scotland and he had an amazing voice and we should get him on. And this was kind of the event that they'd managed to, to get him confirmed for. And yeah, I just remember introducing him on stage being like, this guy's great he's got the most amazing voice and I'm sure in years to come he'll be playing in much bigger venues you know make sure you you like watch this properly and enjoy it and obviously we're in a busy pub where people were just like wanting their pints so I would say there was probably about maybe 60 or 70 people there but like maybe like 40 people actually like watching him and it's just so Mm. funny to think about that then like just little Lewis Capaldi in a in a boozer and no one really caring and now he can do you know like Wembley Arena and he has done well in America and yeah it's just it's just like he's had the most phenomenal rise so it's just funny to remember those early moments and he's able to host a boat party down the Thames which you can then go on well exactly that's quite nice of him isn't it and also he (laughs) is also I think my favorite comedian uh, he's not just a good artist, he's just ridiculous as well. Like His Instagram stories, I absolutely live for. He's an all-rounder. So Lewis Capaldi in a pub in 2017, number one. Uh, and then the second uh, support act that I really, really enjoyed, because I booked them, um, it was uh, Seagulls on the first ever Good Karma Club tour in 2018. It just felt like they were really like on the cusp of 
of like breaking through. So it felt super exciting. I remember they played at the garage in London and the whole venue by the end was just like moshing to all their songs, which <laughs> was so fun. And then we played this venue in Oxford. I think it's called The Cellar. It's got like a really low ceiling and like literally there was like sweat dripping off the walls it was ridiculous <laughs> and everyone was kind of like singing along by the end of it and this was before you know seagulls had been like hottest record on on annie show on radio one before they'd got on like the sound of list which they got on this year um so yeah i always like look back at those shows with like really fond memories because it was like just about as as people were like getting to know them and i think they're going to be really special shows for people that were there because I think they're one of the new newest bands that I've seen recently where I can really imagine them doing those big festival slots and you know really reaching like a big level and number three then please so I've gone for yeah someone I saw recently that just blew me away um she was actually supporting Lewis um when I went to see him at Wembley Arena um it's a girl called Holly Humberston and even though she's a brand new artist, she has just totally got that like star thing about her. She's not done many shows and then she walks out into this arena and just like totally commands the room and all the songs are just like really beautiful and heartfelt. And I think, yeah, she is going to blow up in the next couple of years. So it felt really, really great to see her, see her then. And yeah, just watch where she goes from here. So kind of three kind of newbies, obviously, as you said, Lewis is like, Heady Heights, Seagulls, they're getting there. And Holly is sort of on the tip of your lips at the moment in terms of a name that's going to be doing big things soon. Um, what I want you to do now is not so easy. Okay. It's called Share, Keep, Avoid. So much like the game Snog, Marry, Avoid, or kind of loosely like it, um, I want you to share one of these artists with someone who maybe hasn't seen them. You'd go back to the gig, you'd you'd watch them with them, maybe introduce them to them. You can keep one of them so you can see this performance over and over again as much as you want throughout your life. Uh, this is hypothetical, by the way. I can't <laughs> make this happen. Um, and unfortunately, one of them you have to cast to the side. Um, you won't get to relive that gig, but they'll still go on to good things. So don't worry. Um, but you won't relive that initial gig that you saw them. Oh, What's it going to be? This is tough, isn't it? Okay. I am going to share Holly Humberston because I think lots more people need to know her because she's just brilliant. And I'm sure she's going to be very successful anyway. So it would be cool to share that first gig experience with somebody. Um, And then I'm going to keep that Seagull show just because it was like a real moment for Good Karma Club. And it's like a, a show that I feel really proud of. Which means I'm avoiding, <laughs> is that right? It is avoiding, I'm afraid, yeah. I'm avoiding Mr. Capaldi. And, but let's be honest, he's got millions of pounds. He don't <laughs> need me. He's going to be fine. But what a great example of like some artists that, you know, you rock up to a gig and you're not quite sure, you haven't heard the name. Give them a go. Go an extra half an hour earlier and, and find out who the artist is on before. Yeah, definitely. I remember my um, fiancé, he went to a gig when he was at uni to see Ghost Poet and supporting him was Alt-J. And I'm now like, <gasps> that's amazing. He saw them in like a venue that was only like 50 capacity or something. I was like, that's so cool. And But it must be funny for like artists where sometimes the support act 
eventually like overtakes them in terms of yeah. you know success and stuff and i know that like the 1975 supported little comets like on a on a tour like really early on because i remember i was trying to get tickets for that and i, and I couldn't uh, <laughs> so that's funny like the 1975 are now like one of the biggest bands in the world and little comets are brilliant but yeah they must just be like wow that's so cool like seeing how far they've gone i remember my one to boast about is always i went to i think it was colors in dalston and I saw Peace perform there as they were sort of just before the first album. And we caught the last few songs from a band called Wolf Alice. Who hey, was yeah. love that. That is a great one. Abby McCarthy, thank you so much for this. I feel like we've gone through so much and I hope it's not the next Brit Awards that we see each other again. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be out of these rooms soon. Yeah, I really hope so. Hopefully see you for a hug and a pint very soon. Yes, although if it is the next Brit Awards, get me a space on that boat. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of What's in the Bag. Please leave us a rating, comment, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That means that each episode will drop right into your lap as soon as it's here. Follow at WITBpod on Twitter and Instagram to get info about when each episode is coming and who my next guest will be. And a final thank you to Johnny Robinson for providing the music for What's in the Bag and Charlie Shreve for creating the artwork. You can find more of his work at Charlie Shreve Design on Instagram.